The Old Testament reading for this morning is taken once again from the book of Genesis, beginning in the third chapter. It is the third chapter. It is written, The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. And he spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Well, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it, don't even touch it, or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. And when the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating, and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. Imagine that. She took and ate the fruit, and then gave some to her husband, and then he ate. And immediately the two of them did see what's really going on, saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. And when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, The man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. And God called to the man, where are you? He said, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? And the man said, well, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree. And yes, I ate it. And God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? Well, the serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. And God told the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel. And he told the woman, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. You'll want to please your husband, but he'll lord it over you. He told the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. (laughs) You'll be working in pain all your life long. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds. You'll get your food the hard way, planting and tilling and harvesting, sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried. You started out as dirt. You'll end up as dirt. The man known as Adam named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. God made leather clothing for Adam and his wife and dressed them. And God said, the man has become like one of us, capable of knowing everything, ranging from good to evil. What if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat and live forever? Never. This cannot happen. So God expelled them from the Garden of Eden and sent them to work the ground, the same dirt out of which they had been made. 
and he threw them out of the garden and stationed angel cherubim and a revolving sword of fire east of it, guarding the path to the tree of life. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We pray with you, please. Help us, O oh God, to be people of the second chance, to give as we get, to clothe ourselves in your grace, which is offered to us each and every second of every single day. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Genesis means beginning. As in the very first words of Scripture, in the beginning when God made the heavens and the earth. All of the stories in Genesis are stories of beginnings. They are all stories about firsts. The first moments of God creating, the first stars in the sky, the first waters to run across the earth, the first animals to inhabit dry land and birds to fly through the air. The first people, all the story of Genesis, are stories of first. Well, today we look at a story that contains a number of firsts. The first people, the first commandments given by God to these people, the first temptation, the first sin, and the first people to live in the consequences of that sin. Now, we talked last week about creation and we heard about the creation of the first human. The word used in Hebrew, Adam, later became the proper name for the first human. But Adam's original meaning is earth creature, groundling, one formed from the earth, from the Adamah. But Adam, the earth creature, is given a task, really a commandment. When God gives you a job, I think we all really look at it as a commandment. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. So the first commandment is that the human should care for the earth that God has created. Adam should care for the Adamah. The garden is God's creation. This beautiful and lush garden paradise. And the human, also God's creation, is to care for it, to till it and keep it. It's humanity's first assignment. It is the first commandment. The second commandment is a curious one, I think. And it is one that really leads to all the trouble. God selects one tree from among all of those in the garden and places a boundary around it by telling the earth creature you can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it, because the moment you eat from that tree, you're dead. That's what God said. I think there's something in that story that begs the question, why? Why would God not want the earth creature to know good and evil? Is God just being an overprotective parent, I suppose? Living in a paradise where all your needs are met, 
and there is no reason for conflict at all, would seem to say no reason for an awareness of evil, but also then, you see, of good. For if good is all that you have ever known, how can you ever see it for what it is, except by contrast? For whatever reasons the Creator has in mind, it is God's choice at this moment to shield the earth creature from that particular knowledge. So at the beginning of our reading for today, we now have a man and a woman, neither of them named, neither of them ashamed, both in that relatively naive, young, happy state. But immediately, a new character is introduced, the serpent. And the serpent is described as the cleverest creature that God has ever made. And the serpent is placed in the role of a tempter. And his first temptation really is quite clever. He asks a question to which he already knows the answer. And it's one that's designed to confuse, to call into question that which God actually said. The serpent asks the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? Very clever. Because, of course, that's not what God commanded or said at all. And the clever question plants just a seed of doubt in the woman. And I think we can tell that by how she responds. She says, oh, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. You see, the woman misquotes God. God never said that they shouldn't touch the tree. She adds that part on her own. And by doing that, I think she reveals just a little bit of a crack. So the tempter tries another strategy, reason, and insinuates a somewhat less than honorable motivation to God's commandment. The tempter tries to get between her and God by making her doubt that God has her best interests at heart. The serpent says, well, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. Very, very clever. The tempter essentially asks the question, does God really have your best interests at heart? And the words have an effect on the woman. We are, in fact, given a peek into the reasoning that the woman used to make her decision. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating, and realized that what she would get out of it, she'd know everything, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate it. You see, the woman wants all of these things. And so she eats the fruit, and she gives some to her husband, who gobbles it up without a word of question or protest. And the man and the woman feel the consequences of their actions immediately. Their eyes are open. They see that things have now changed. They see that they're naked. And for the first time, it occurs to them that clothes might be a good idea. But they don't die. At least not yet. Now, the traditional Jewish interpretation of this tale sees it as a coming-of-age story, one in which humanity moves out of childhood and into adulthood, 
which includes always a knowledge, if not an understanding, of good and evil and their place in the world. Yet it is a tale that allows us to understand that sin has found its way into our lives. And the aftermath of that sin is the loss of paradise, the loss of a perfect world where there is no hunger, no pain, and no knowledge of good and evil. We've been kicked out of that place. And we can go on to define sin as a separation from God. And the end result is that the humans created from the earth are no longer at one with it. And instead of living in harmony with the land as the original design for the garden demanded, humans now struggle with the land. Instead of living peaceably in and with the land, we seem at war with it, and yet there is more. Sin adds to the suffering of the world. Separation from God leads to trouble in the land. The land suffers, the earth cries out, and the humans cry out too. Sin, personal and corporate, has a devastating effect that folks we cannot ignore. There's a mysterious disease that's been killing off our honeybees for several years now. Last I checked, it had wiped out about 40% of the hives needed to pollinate many of our nation's fruits and veggies. And it seems as though the percentage of lost hives has come down the last couple of years. But according to researchers, we are still not in a very good number. Apparently, though, we've moved from horrible to bad. And it has been speculated that if we lose the honeybee, humans would not be far behind. Some scientists say about four years or so. God created us to be connected to one another and to the earth. We cannot live without it. It is still not entirely clear what is killing the bees, but lots of folks are working on it. It is clear that the world is suffering and we don't need to look outside of our own country. From the honeybees to the smog of LA, to the devastated marine and bird life of the Louisiana Gulf, to the toxic drinking water of Flint, the earth is crying out. This is creation. It is God's gift given to us for sustenance and plenty. And we do, folks, have a part to play. For the Lord God put humans in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Now the verb translated to keep is the Hebrew verb shamar. I'm familiar with it because when we were taught Hebrew verb forms at Bethesda, shamar was a verb that we used quite a bit. Now the meaning of it is to guard or to protect. And the verb that's been translated till, it is the verb form for the Hebrew word for slave or servant. So this little verse could actually read, the Lord God took the human and put him in the Garden of Eden to serve it and protect it. Imagine. We're all creatures of God created from the earth. 
In our very first job, the thing God tells us to do, the first thing, is to serve the earth and to protect it. That's our first calling, our first priority. And of course, our call to protect the earth is really a call to help save ourselves. Now the good news is that God may expel us, but God protects us. God reassures us, God sends us out to a new place in hopes that we will do better from now on. God reminds us that there is nowhere that we can flee from God's presence. And sin might be separation from God, but God is having none of it. God remains faithful. God remains creative. God's love never fails. Even if we keep breaking the rules, thanks be to God. Amen.